Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by veteran performance coach, Chris McCormick. In today's episode, we discuss the one by 20 method, a simple and effective program for improving strength, general fitness, and reducing injuries. We also discuss the minimal effective dose strategy and the number one problem with youth sports training. If you're looking for a safe but effective program for you or your child, this is a wonderful place to start. Also, please check out the show notes as I've included a link if you're interested in buying Dr. Michael Yeses's book, as his book goes into way greater detail than what we discussed today. So now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on The Blueprint. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Before we get started in talking about the one by 20, would you mind taking just a minute and kind of giving folks a little bit of a background about yourself and your experience in human performance? I think that would really create some color for our conversation. Yeah, I have an eclectic background. Um, started off with, I have my psychology master's and bachelor of arts from Indiana State and Ball State University. Transitioned into collegiate athletics. I was originally in football was an intern and then I fell in love with strength and conditioning. I was in strength and conditioning the college side for about 10 years, primarily a director at several mid-major 1AA schools, and I've recently transitioned into ministry, still dabbling in coaching and helping consult a little bit with other coaches and such in the areas of sports performance and high performance. Yeah, you, you're you're selling yourself short. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the humility, uh, but for those that are listening, I met at Chris at probably one of the premier performance conferences in the country, but it was I would say it was boutique because it yeah. didn't have a ton of people there and you could really get to know somebody. And Chris and I just bonded over several yeah. things, uh, training, but then our families and then our common shared religious beliefs. And he's been somebody that I've gone to over the years for questions on a whole lot of different things. But for the topic today, there's something called the one by 20 program. And I am not a gimmicky person at all, but this is more of a principle, and I would love for you to discuss what the one by 20 program is. What does it do? Why is it effective? And how could somebody implement that for either their training for themselves or for their kids? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said principle, because if, if you follow anything on Twitter or you hear anything about this, it's very polarizing, to say the least. People using it, implementing it, what they think of false implementation of this principle or method or whatnot. I mean, it really, it, it's an idea overall, this is a very common term we hear about now, is minimal effective dose. Is What's the amount that we can do to elicit the response that we want? And that can be with anything in life, but specifically with training. This idea comes from Dr. Michael Yeses. He's done his dissertation on these ideas. He's, he's somebody in the sports realm that some people have heard of. They've maybe heard some of his books, um, but he's a biomechanist. So he's focused on movement and he's focused on motor learning. And he's developed a method or principles of how he would train an athlete specificity wise and on that continuum of general to specific, trying to get somebody to a sports specific result. And what he came up with decades ago, starting with, you know, one set of 20 on these different various exercises, many of them, which are single joint, which is very polarizing in today's strength and conditioning of not doing that, but taking this idea of let's start off as low as we can to get a response 
and then we will move in the direction that we feel necessary uh, to continue that athlete. And I think one of the biggest differences between this and what you see in most training, it could be in the private sector, college, wherever, is that people utilize this. Most of the time, what I've seen is they utilize it in a way of like, I'm going to do this for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to move on to something and move on to really what I wanted. Um, or they try to defend that of like, well, this is my starting point or whatever. And it's really an evolution of training because this should be the starting point to see, can we get a response? Can we get you better? So when we get down the road, many of the tools that we see being used or methods, we actually can use those down the road and get a response versus starting off way too high, which you see with most youth training is that they go to a facility, there's some kind of training. It looks like a college level program. Well, once you start util utilizing these stimuluses, like where else are you going to go after? And it's crazy to me when you use this, and I know you guys have used it yourself in your past in various schools you're at, just the results that you can get. And people usually don't believe it until they do it themselves. And that's what happened to me. And just to see the benefits of it overall in training, not just lifting, but motor development and kind of all of the above. It's interesting, this minimal effective dose strategy, I've often related it to if you went to the doctor for a headache, hopefully you wouldn't go to the doctor for a headache, but if yeah. you did, and the doctor, she's like, hey, you just need to take one aspirin and you'd be fine. Yep. And instead you take three or yeah. the whole bottle. Well, the whole bottle is going to get you sick. It could kill you, but you don't need to take more than one to get the intended outcome. Yeah. When you do more than is required, it limits, number one, your capacity to adapt in the future because you're taking yeah. away stimulus that could be reserved for later. And also yeah. it comes at a greater orthopedic cost. Yeah. And uh, when you talk about sport specificity, the most important thing you can do is train the sport. And yeah. then the physical training undergirds that and it can improve sporting outcomes, especially early in life. Like if yep. you're an untrained kid and you're playing baseball or football or tennis or whatever, and then you start doing general physical training, weightlifting, you can see some changes on the field. As you yep. get older, you have to do more and more specific things. And that is not standing on a BOSU ball and playing catch with your trainer with a strobe glass on or something. For Strobes sure. are good for, for certain sure. things. So that's not functional. Yeah, so sure. what does the one by 20 look like? Like, what are you actually doing? Yeah. So, I mean, when you talk minimal effective dose, it's interesting too, because there's a lot of things when you're not doing as much, you can do more. So you can kind of spread out and start very general, just like you talked about. It's interesting. I've had so many athletes at the college level, professional, that have done something like this, where I would give them this type of program. And they look at it if they've had a serious injury or something like that, that we've done some of these things in the training room. And then you see some of the athletes that have never done some of the exercises. So to give you an example, most training, training programs are maybe five to eight exercises in a given day, uh, depending on if it's a total body lift or an upper body lift, just kind of how you would see training. With the one by 20 program, since you're only doing 20 reps, one set, you might be doing 20 to 30 exercises. Um, so it may look more like a list format. And instead of just doing really big exercises, most coaches are like squat, hinge, push, pull lunge, twist, like they're going to say that. Um, you're doing specific ankle exercises, calf exercises, different posterior chain exercises, 
I mean, it's very joint by joint. And that's how Dr. Yes has kind of formulated that process of the part whole method. We're going to develop each joint and point to fix the weak links before we begin to really focus on maybe the bigger things. And, you know, most people do that or hear that and they go, well, how am I going to get strong? How am I going to get this? How am I going to get that? Almost like thinking the minimal effective dose idea of most bang for your buck. So they would just do the big things. And to realize how much there are faults across the whole body that can be withholding that whole part process. Um, I don't think people really understand that, but I think it's a cultural thing. I think there's so much that goes into that of training and whatever people are trying to sell you. Um, the YouTube culture. You look on yes. YouTube and you're like, oh, my favorite athlete's doing this or yeah, the high school program, you have to clean, you have to do this. Yeah. So we're going to, if that's what you see these people that are quote professionals or elite athletes doing and you go, well, yep. that's what my kid needs to do. So when you say part whole, so let's just take this for example, like you would be like saying, okay, we're going to work like single leg calf raises from a standing position. Yep. We're going to work ankle dorsiflexion with a band on the wall to work like anterior tip yep. muscles. Like give me an example yep. of like how you would move up the body. Yeah. So you can do like, we would do a, a four-way ankle exercise. You're getting all angles. You're doing a calf raise exercise. It could be a, a seated calf raise, which for an example, that exercise for ankle mobility, most people grind away at different rehab and whatever. I found seated calf raises to be one of the best exercises. Loaded mobility is probably the new term now these days. That actually helps increase ankle range of motion. But when you go through that joint of the ankle to the calf, then you start doing various knee exercises, which could be single leg squatting. It could be double leg squatting. I think there's a lot of variety because when you implement the one by 20, it's very general. So it's going to be in the beginning where I want to say it doesn't matter what you're doing, but you have a lot of flavor choice, I think, in some movement patterns, especially if people are partial to certain things. But then you go up to various hip motions like RDLs. It could be uh, back extensions. It could be eventually glute ham raises, which the glute ham raise machine, Dr. Yes has actually invented. A lot of people don't know that. They see it from other realms of powerlifting and things like that, but how he designs and biomechanically wants it to be done. It's a lot different than most people do it. And then he's very big on all planes of motion, abdominally, or what he would probably say the torso of lateral, frontal, transverse, like really working on these various movements, which today's culture isn't as much. It's more of planks and various holds and payoff press and all of that. He's almost on the opposite end of the spectrum um, because he wants movement throughout the body. And then you get into the upper body uh, realm where you know bicep curls are promoted, tricep pushdowns are promoted, not for muscle, but for the joint, elbow, various wrist exercises that you may see baseball and golf do. He's very full range of motion with shoulder raises and, and things like that where most people would scoff at it. I mean, I easily scoffed at it even before I did it until I saw the injury results that came back from it, that the minimal amount of injuries we had, especially non-contact, the athletes were prepared for their sport. And especially a younger athlete, if they can get on something like that, where it's very low intensity, a lot of exercises, you're covering all your bases. A lot of the problems that I think that we're seeing with youth athletes as they grow older a lot of this, I think, can be prevented, at least on our training side, maybe not all the external things. And it's, it's going to allow the athlete, like you said, to be able to practice at a high level and do their training 
and not just see it as two separate things. I think is the biggest one. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at work, at home, and in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources for high performers just like you. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. So you said youth athletes. What age would you suggest somebody starting with this? I mean, I my daughter's nine years old, and I will. I told her I will help train you when you want to train. I think the lowest of the low, because then you have body weight exercises, you have yeah. push-ups, you have squats, you have like, there's so many banded things too, that the joint by joint approach can be done for any athlete that's entering into a competition. You make that fun and game-like and things like that, but it, it can be knocked out very simply in 15 to 20 minutes. This isn't like a, this hour long program. You have to go to a training facility and do, I literally can give you a program and, and send it to you. If you have a couple bands and, the ability to do body weight or light exercise stuff. I love that. We'll have to catch up offline about this. This may be something that could benefit a lot of parents. Is it something that would be really easy to give kids? So let me ask you this. Do you have to start with 20 reps or could you start with like 10 reps and slowly work your way up to 20? And then why 20? What's the magic thing about 20? Yeah, that's a good question. Most of the time when we would implement it, even at the college level, we would start around 10 reps on a multitude of exercises and it would be very general. So, you know, you have assessments and all these things people are doing now, regardless of an assessment, we would still do the plethora of it, like just the broad range of exercises that you would see. We would start off with 10 and then most of the time, this would be a three day a week program. So we would do the same thing every single day for three days a week. And then how you modify it that we can go more into that. But we would start off around 10 reps to get them to understand how to do the exercise, teach. And then we would add exercises across the workouts, maybe five more exercises, and then still keep them at 10 reps. And then we eventually adjust to 15, then we would adjust to 20. And I think the biggest thing with the, the 20 number, it's funny because it almost validates all this research that people have been doing over the past several decades, that range is about 50, anywhere from 50 to 65%. If you were to do a rep max, if, if people know what that is, and that's usually where people start anyways within the program. But the really cool thing about the twenties, it's if you get consistency in your reps and you're not flying through it, but you're actually doing a really good 20 reps, it's going to be about 30 seconds of work too. And you see all this research with isometrics for 30 seconds, for aerobic development, capillary density. There's a lot of those, those sciencey things that are being thrown out. Well, the 20 reps help achieve that. Now, if you go beyond that, go more for endurance athletes, you can kind of play with that. But Dr. Yes has found the 20 reps is a great starting point. And then as we want to jack up intensity or go heavier, we start decreasing the reps, which you see in most programs. But to add to it too, I mean, it is a daily way to judge where you are at and how your body is without having technology. I never had tendo units or velocity-based training. I could use this system to see, is your body prepared to do the weight that it's supposed to do? We have some techno- so much technology that can do that now. This is a foolproof way to do it. I love it. So really, like if I have like my six-year-old, 
is playing baseball. Yep. And so uh, they just ended school and I was talking to my wife. I was like, you know what? I really want to start doing some general physical preparation with him. And then my older son who's 10. And so the summer I was, you know, we just kind of entered the summer. We were going to do some like basic crawling patterns and yep. lunging. And you could really turn that into a one by 20. We're going to do one set walking lunges. We're going to yep. do one set of body weight RDLs. Uh, we're going to do one set of ab adduction raises. You yep. know what I'm saying? You could really turn that into, you know, and then the torso work and all the different things like that. And yep. it's general body weight training. You could add a little bit of resistance. There's no, you know, it's not yep. going to hurt you, but yep. then you can scale that over time. We had, we, we implemented the last school I was with, with all of our freshmen, it was like a whole year of one by 20 and the results were astounding Yeah, uh, because you do need a certain amount of volume, but there was a paper I was looking at that I actually included on my podcast about building power. And it was, it was about doing strength work or power work, which one improves power output for what they said were weak men, which I would hate to be associated with that. But <laughs> these were like people, they, they determined to be very weak, right? Yeah. And they had them do strength work or power work. And guess what? Both improved power because part of creating power is force. It didn't matter what they did yeah. early on with the kids. Anything's going to work yeah. to a certain extent, which you want to make sure is that you're building a process. that's going to yield long-term sustainable results. And there's no reason why you couldn't have a six-year-old doing seven-year-old doing some type of body weight stuff that they yeah. would do at a playground and then yep. that would be that would extend out into 10, 11, 12, starting to increase weight. I've seen Joseph Johnson's son. He was doing like, he must have been 15 years old, rather thin. And he was doing like dumbbell presses with like 80 to 100 pounds for a set of yep. 10. And I was like, dear goodness, like he wasn't bulky. And that was it. One set done. Yep. Yep. Very strong. And it's and it's it's just crazy of one of the I've had conversations, for example. Coaches. Uh, we had, it was a relatively new team. So there was freshmen and sophomores, like a new program. And a lot of these athletes, they came from a sport in lacrosse where it, the training culture is not really there, which you see some of these other Olympic type teams. And, uh, you know, we had zero injuries from the year. We had a girl. And again, most of these girls are untrained, even though they're coming into the college realm, you know, very well, like people say they're trained or they, they can do something and they can't. I mean, we've had a, we had a girl there that could squat 225 for 20 reps, butt to the ground, and she probably weighed 105 pounds. Like, it's, there's just things that if I were to say that to another coach, they'd be like, "What are what are you talking? Like, how in the world is that possible?" We had a girl that her broad jump went up almost two feet over a three month period, where she could out broad jump our whole men's soccer team. Like, all, and like they would see that, and they're like, and they would train twice a week too. That's the thing with in season with them really practicing all year round. So me looking at what they're already doing and then trying to fit in our training, you still think you're not doing enough and you continue to back off and back off. And the numbers are mind boggling. All these things that people are wanting to measure, times, jump heights, all of that. And even experienced athletes, that's one of the best things I've seen with guys looking to go professional in their pro days. Many of them that come from the high intensity lifting programs where they're just doing above 80% all the time, a lot of Olympic lifting, whatever, it's almost like a deload. But then when you go to focus on not just the lifting, but the extensive jumping, which and kids can do the jump ropes and ankle pogos and all of that, 
the more you focus on the basic things, it's almost filling the cracks for them athletically. So then if they return back to something, they, it's just, it's just crazy how they see these improvements when you're doing something that may not be directly in your mind benefiting that thing you're really measuring, if that makes sense. So it's just, makes total sense. it's mind boggling to me. It's, it's mind boggling to me because again, you look at it and parents can look at it and they'll go, yeah, there's no way that this is good enough. And it's like, well, I can show you the results, but it's the right thing for them at that time. So if somebody's listening to this, like, wow, I want to learn more about one by 20. I want to get like a program. Like where would you point somebody to? Yeah, I think resource wise, there's some, there's several websites that you can kind of check out if you do search it. Dr. Yesis's website, uh, he has all his resources because again, it's not just the training program itself or the lifting. There's so many other facets of general to specific that he believes in doing. And a lot of this is rooted in the Russian training and different things like that, the Eastern Bloc methodologies. He has tons of things on there for youth athletes too. So there's free articles. There's all kinds of stuff like there. If you're looking for definitive resources, Joseph Johnson, who you mentioned, uh, he has a company called Ultimate Athlete Concepts. And they have several books that really talk about this type of training. Or you can reach out to me. My Twitter and my Facebook, all of them are saying CM McCormick7. Uh, you can message me. I'd love to help you because I think this type of training, if I were to take a high school job or work at a middle school or a youth facility, I mean, this is the only thing I would do. And then I would progress it as need be and customize it. But I think we just start off way too high. And if we backed off a little bit and did the right things, I think we would see some of the injuries we're seeing honestly not happen. That is awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. And if he says you can reach out, I would hit him up. Chris is one of the smartest, most humble performance coaches that I know. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to take a deep dive on this with us. Thanks so much, Eric. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you would like to support the show, would you please consider leaving us a comment and a review in the Apple Podcast app? Because that is one of the best ways that you can support the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.